What up, what up, what up? Hey, everybody. Finally back from vacay, back to West Virginia. Uh, long drive from South Carolina back here today. Uh, just got home a few minutes ago. Wanted to uh, jump on the pod. It's been a few days. Have a uh, couple of fan mail questions to answer today I'm real excited about. Mostly an NFL pod today. Um, you know, we've really been hammering the KD, Kyrie, Russell, all that kind of, you know, NBA offseason jargon. And just going to take a break from that today. Um, you know, we'll talk about that next episode, most likely. Any updates that might be arising with, you know, trade rumors or maybe another counteroffer in the Kevin Durant deal. And maybe just some sleeper destinations, uh, you know, Pelicans, Warriors, stuff like that that I've been hearing. Uh, but really wanted to focus on the NFL because I feel like over the last few days, even with the NBA drama, that the NFL has kind of recaptured the news cycle with a couple of big stories. Uh, first, I want to jump in and talk about Julio to the Bucks. So, I mean, personally, the kid in me was like, oh my freaking lord, Julio Jones, baby, Julio Jones. That guy is my dog. Dog. Man, somebody that big and that fast, like, you, <laughs> that combination should not exist on this earth. So, I mean, I've always liked the Falcons in, you know, not like a fandom way, but you know how we all have our base teams and then we root for a couple of players and, you know, kind of incidentally, I guess, are rooting for that team in a weird way. And as a kid, I mean, how could you not love Michael Vick? I mean, say what you want about his personal life and all that stuff. Obviously, that stuff was terrible, um, you know, on all fronts there uh, for a few years. But when he was in his prime on the Falcons... And then obviously I got to watch him, you know, kind of revive his career in Philly. I mean, he was just the most dynamic, <laughs> coolest player in the league, in my opinion. Like, everybody was about Mike Vick. The dude had a cannon, he could run, and he was just cool. He made the Falcons cool. And I always found myself, you know, watching his highlights, watching all the Falcons games, and really pulling for him on the field. And, you know, kind of after... You know, that era kind of started coming to a close pretty abruptly. Uh, they get this wide receiver <laughs> from Alabama, Julio freaking Jones. And nowadays, I mean, we have wide receivers coming into the league, first-round picks, like a bunch of them all the time. It's become kind of, I don't want to say not as big a deal, but feels like there's more receivers now than even there was in Julio's era. I remember Julio coming into the league looking like a freak of nature. And <laughs> he steps into the Falcons, and the dude and Matt Ryan just cooked, cooked teams. I was lucky enough to go to a couple Eagles games, those the couple-of-year playoff stretch where they had first-round matchups, and they were both really close games. Came down to the wire at the goal line. And um, just watching Julio live. Even then... Just watching defenses having to have special adjustments just for him. There's always two guys in his area coat. I mean, he's unstoppable. He was unstoppable in his prime. And then, unfortunately, um, you know, he had that like five, six year period that most people would consider even to this day that he was the best receiver of those years. And that was not even debatable. He was just unguardable. And then obviously... You have multiple injuries go on and then, you know, not really able to practice. And he becomes one of those veterans that basically you just almost rest until the game. Like he's that good and that valuable and that injured, you know, that 
he can't really practice, but you need him so bad for games. That So that was kind of the plan. And I think the Falcons, I think it was Dan Quinn still at that time, kind of got tired of that and, and sent him to Tennessee, um, even though you know he, he was downsloping at that time in production but still had some good years left. And I think some of the same stuff happened in Tennessee, right? Obviously some more limitations with Ryan Tannehill coming from Matt Ryan and you know injuries as well, and I think that same sort of thing continued. And then, you know, you get a friendly neighborhood call from old Mr. Rogers, Tom Brady. <laughs> Tom Brady, man. When he calls, you listen. And, you know, I remember hearing reports a couple of months back that Tom Brady was talking to Julio and didn't really work out at the time. Or maybe they had this in the in the cards all along. But uh, needless to say, Julio's a buck now. Um, I'm ecstatic. I, I really don't even know what to say. He's one of my favorite players watching. Honestly, at his best, he is one of the best players to ever play the position at wide receiver. But just brutally plagued by injuries, which is just unfortunate for any player, but especially a player of that caliber. And it can really derail your career. So I really hope Julio can kind of rebound. Only had a couple hundred yards last year, plagued by injuries. And, I mean, my ceiling for him, my expectations, the kid in me is like, oh my gosh, he's going to go off. <laughs> like He's got Brady. He's he's going to be amazing. He's going to be like near his prime or at least have one of those Brady revival years where Brady just seems to get the best out of the veterans before they, you know, win a ring and retire. Um you know, I really want to believe that and part of me kind of does just because I've seen Julio do it a bunch of years and he hasn't had exactly, you know, Matt Ryan is a well-established, you know, has has a lot of records or at least impressive milestones in his career. Um, passing wise, he's a good quarterback and say what you want about Tannehill, but he's no Tom Brady. And if anyone can get any last juice, squeeze any last production out of Julio, it's Tom freaking Brady. So I've seen Brady do it a bunch of times in the past with people a lot worse than Julio, even with the injuries. So if Julio can stay healthy, maybe they have to work out some sort of thing with practice with him as well, but he's really got to build connection with Brady and I'm sure they've been passing before the signing, and you know, as Brady always does. Feels like he's always on a middle or a high school field, um, even during the pandemic, like passing with people he's trying to recruit. So this is nothing new for him. But I really hope this works out for the Bucks. I mean, obviously it conflicts with my interest for the Eagles, but just as a football fan, I would love to see this work. I really would. I, I would love to see Julio have another year or two left where he just looks at least a little bit like his old self and starts pushing back into the conversation of one of the elite receivers at least over the next year or two. That would be amazing. I mean, obviously that's foolish, <laughs> some would say, and overly optimistic and aggressive, but the kid in me really wants that to happen. Uh, what what I think will happen is he'll come on, you know, maybe take a couple of weeks to get used to and then some games he's going to go off. Brady is going to say, oh, I love this second or third corner, like the corner matchup on Julio this week. I'm going to pepper him with like, you know, 13, 14, 15 targets as Brady does with matchups that he loves. But I, I don't know. Part of me just feels like the realistic outcome is going to be Julio has better production than the past year or two, but ultimately probably will be plagued by injury. Um, but hopefully he can be healthy for the postseason when they really need him, and he can give defenses trouble. 
Um, but if anyone can get any production out of him, it's Brady. So I really hope that happens for him. I really do. Like I said earlier, I love the guy. And if anyone can do it, it's Brady. But, uh, you know, just losing their, you know, one of the best centers, Ryan Jensen, for several months is a huge hit for Brady and the Bucks. Centers, incredibly important in today's fast-moving, offensive-minded game and calling out defenses and um, different reads. And I haven't seen anything on their replacement strategy right now. Um, hopes are that he'll be back after a couple of months, but still a significant portion of the season. Uh, so we'll see how the Bucks work that out. But, you know, Brady is not happy about that one. So we'll see how they respond to all that um, and more and see if the Bucks can win the NFC East and maybe get back to a ring. Um, going to be tough to get through the Rams and some of the other opponents in the AFC. But uh, if anyone can do it, it's Tom freaking Brady, folks. It's Tom Brady. How many times does he have to sit up there and prove every single person wrong? It's honestly annoying at this point. Like, I feel like a lot of other fans, like, I'm not – I honestly hated the Patriots and Tom Brady for so long. <laughs> Especially after the 04 Super Bowl as a kid. You see McNabb throw up – well, not seeing – hearing reports of McNabb throwing up. Um, Freddie having to call the play. <laughs> and, uh, gosh, losing that Super Bowl and really hated him ever since. And then as Tom in the past, like, you know, kind of six to seven years has sort of rebranded himself into this likable, cool – easier going at least off the field guy and then just ultimate winner when it comes to on the field performance and you can't help but not you know garner respect for that he he really is one of the most elite and established and accomplished athletes that we've ever seen in any sport and i'm not the grudge type and i don't hold the four super bowl over him maybe it's because my boy Foles came in and saved the day that year um you know, against Brady and the Patriots. Um, but nonetheless, if a guy does that year in and year out, he's going to turn 45 in August, and he's still hungrier than ever. And it just feels like they're always going to be relevant with Brady at the helm, and I can't count them out in the Super Bowl. I just can't. You you never can with Tom Brady, and he has weapons. So I'm sure we'll be seeing them you know, all over the news every week as they are with Brady and some of their more dramatic players like Fournette and how their injuries will progress with Godwin and Jensen and things like that. And if they can get everybody healthy for the playoffs, I think they're going to be really, honestly, really scary. So I uh, wanted to transition over to the 49ers and the quarterback drama. So we've been following this, most of us, all off season. What are they going to do with Jimmy? Are they going to ride it out? Are they going to save him as a trade piece? Are they going to cut him? Are they going to trade him? And now with the up-to-date information we have this week, looks like they're going to be rolling with Trey Lance, whether that means trade Jimmy, cut him, any of those other scenarios. Seems like one of those are going to happen. Now, trading him is almost off the table because they've been kind of searching for a partner. No one's really bit. I feel like because they have the leverage in the situation, <laughs> you know, like every other team in the league, other than the Niners in this situation, just because, I mean, you trade, you have three first-round picks, put all your eggs in the Trey Lance basket, and, uh, you know, for a guy that basically an old Division one AA or FCS football, only played one game his senior year, and uh, a couple of games, you know, last year, but, man, dude, it's, it's risky, but the initial risk, the initial bite in the bullet moment is what you did on draft day, and you knew at some point this had to happen sooner rather than later. I'm honestly surprised it took this long. Um, 
you know, Jimmy, say what you want about him, wins 70% of his games, had a Super Bowl appearance and then an NFC Championship appearance. Doesn't always put up great playoff numbers, especially, you know, touchdowns or passing the football, but a very effective game manager and his teams, say what you want, but they win games. The Niners are good, you know. But the question is, can Trey Lance step in and with his sort of more dynamic abilities, higher ceiling, can he kind of rein all that in and maybe elevate that Niners to a Super Bowl team? And I'm not here to say they can't. They may be able to do that with him. Maybe Jimmy was the limiting factor. And I'm really interested to see how this plays out this year, honestly. I really am. Um, But in terms of Jimmy, I mean, you've heard the options laid out on the table. Seattle, Giants, maybe even Panthers. Um, You know, just really any team, too, in the next couple of weeks, maybe they have a preseason injury. To one of their guys and maybe a team gets desperate and gives you know sort of a second day pick for him but right now it sounds like you know his market value is basically like a sixth or a seventh round pick so at this point for the Niners it might come to just cutting him saving some of the money and moving forward uh, which isn't the most storybook ending to that team and that franchise and kind of what he's helped them do whether you believe in him or not he was an integral part of it so We'll be following the Jimmy situation in the next couple of weeks. Um, we'll see if they kind of try to <laughs> make it awkward and hang on to him. And then in the first couple of weeks, maybe a team's quarterback goes down and they you know, they don't want to waste this year. They have a hot start. Um, they get desperate and trade for Jimmy to try to keep the ship in the right direction rather than go to an unproven backup. Um, but I don't know. We'll see how that plays out. I really don't know what they're going to do with him because at this point, his trade value is not high. So... Um, and, and then the Trey Lance portion, you know, there's a lot of contrasting beliefs about his ceiling, his ability. Um, you know, what has he proven in the sport of football, really? I mean, we talked about it, not playing traditional BCS big conference football, um, let alone not a lot of games or attempts in the past two years, two plus years. So, you know, I've been following the Niners camp reports closely. Uh, actually it sounds like, <laughs> it sounds like mixed reviews, honestly, uh, I heard, I think it was today or yesterday, he, uh, you know, they were doing practice basically versus defense, and he was, I think, 6 of 14 with a pick, and it's just like, you know he's young, but it's just not the most encouraging news, right? Giving up three first-round draft picks, and you're in practice, and you're throwing less than 50%, you're completing less than 50% of your passes, throwing interceptions. Um, I've also been hearing they're looking to or have brought in you know, a quarter, basically a quarterback whisperer to help help his accuracy, essentially fix his mechanics, which isn't uncommon for young quarterbacks, but it's definitely not, you know, reassuring <laughs> by any sense of the of the term. So, I don't know. I, I, I'm still, you know, party's out on the Trey Lance situation. I, I really don't know. I really do not know. I want to support this guy. I do support this guy. And if anyone's got a great situation for young quarterbacks, it's him, right? Jimmy G doesn't make a lot of noise. He'll be out soon. Your roster has been relevant for years, and you have a lot of Pro Bowl talent on both sides of the ball. And you have a good coach and a good front office. You're really in one of the best landing spots you can be for a young quarterback. So uh, that goes like what we talked about you know, in the past. If he doesn't have the stuff, if they're worse without Jimmy G, if they're, you know, if they're worse with Trey Lance, you know, how much does Trey Lance have in terms of potential ceiling? 
if he's already in that good of a situation, his next landing spot wouldn't be better. I guarantee you that. It will not be better than this. So I think he has all the tools around him and also you know the necessary physical tools to be a good starting quarterback. It's just a matter of how quickly can he develop because the race is on, man. The pressure is on. They want to win. They know their roster is loaded. They are so desperate as a front office to prove that this bold draft night move was the right move. And nothing would validate them more than Trey Lance coming out and setting the world on fire this NFL season. So, you know, you know the coach, uh, Coach Shanahan, and all the guys there are going to do everything they can to make that guy succeed. So, ultimately, I think this year he does get off to a little bit of a bumpy start, but I think they right the ship as he gets more experience, and they will be a playoff team. I don't see them necessarily winning the division unless the Rams have a real Super Bowl slump or some injuries, but they are a playoff team, and you know when they're in the playoffs, they they got ballers. They got gamers. So they're going to be good, and they'll always be maybe not a true contender, but they will be in the mix, and they are a very threatening team. So going to be also a lot of news out of Niners camp in the next couple of weeks about Trey Lance's development, Debo's deal, all that stuff. Um, so definitely we'll be watching that closely. Um, wanted to shift over to another one of their rivals, uh, the Seahawks. Uh, they just signed DK to an extension, uh, a short one. I think it was only like three years, 72 or 75 mil. It, it comes out to about 24 mil a year, which for a wide receiver is great money. And he deserves it. He's the epitome of what teams are looking for. Um, <laughs> the opposite of what Howie's looking for, apparently. Because um, he never drafted him. Uh, couldn't, couldn't run enough routes. Could only run super fast and looked like an X-Men. Or an X-Men, but... <laughs> You know, not our type, not the Eagles type, uh, but I digress. Uh, he's done so well. He's done so well. Given where he was drafted, um, that's all you want in NFL franchises, to pluck guys like that outside the first round. It's just, it's a goldmine pick. So the question of the deal is, like, is the deal too expensive? No. The question is, did Seattle make the right move here? Was it worth it? Signing this big-time receiver, signing this guy, when your quarterback situation is one of the bottom bottom five in the league, probably worse in the league. Recent reports from you know Pete Carroll and the organization, they still have an open competition, but it looks like Geno is leading. And assuming they don't go for Jamie or somebody else, you know, what are they gonna do? I love my boy Geno, you know, dub V Nation, but I mean, I don't think he's a necessarily, you know, a starting quarterback in the league, let alone Drew Locke. So I mean, ultimately, for DK having a short extension, it, you know, he, I praise him for getting this locked up early because you got to look at it from his camp and say, all right, I just had a great quarterback and I did really well. I don't think my numbers are going to be quite as good with these guys throwing me the football. So I might as well cash in this right now, and then when I'm hitting, you know, later 20s, still have prime left, I can hit the open market and basically get one last huge contract. Um, so I think it was the right move for DK. I just, I'm not sure if it was the right move for Seattle. I don't know. Jury's out, man. It just all depends on what you want to do. Because ideally, this is how you run it. You draft a player, especially after the first round. You find a gem. You lock him down. You win the lottery. And that's how you get a good football team. So I can't fault them for making the move. Um, to me, you know, people are saying Seattle's in total rebuild, total rebuild, total rebuild. 
and their moves aren't really screaming rebuild to me, right? If they're in rebuild, they're not signing DK to that contract. They're just not, right? I, I don't think it's in Pete Carroll's DNA to just throw games. He might be a little out of touch. He might be a little older, but he's, in high, he's a high-energy guy. He's a winner. He does not want to throw games. <laughs> so I think this is more, this goes to show you where the Seahawks' head's at. I don't think tanking is in their vocabulary. Say, we got a good player, let's keep him, let's try to help our quarterback, whoever it might be, as much as humanly possible, and basically just compete. I think the message for this year, for some of those worse-off teams, especially without a quarterback, is let's just freaking compete, man, and let the chips fall where they may. And I think that's what Pete Carroll's career has been all about. High-intensity guy. You know, <laughs> he seems like the kind of coach that was just hitting, you know, hitting drills every day of the week, um, at least before the new CBA and new NFL, but... Um, I just don't think it's in his DNA to throw games or lose. So I, I expect them to fight every single game. And unfortunately, I think they're going to miss Russell Wilson a ton. I really do. And it's going to really put salt in the wound if he goes to Denver and lights it up and gets a number one seed and makes noise in the playoffs. It's really going to hurt. So I, I feel bad for <laughs> I feel bad for DK in a way, just going from Russell to those guys. But... He's a beast. All they really have to do is throw it up to him when his flatline speed, big body receiver, he'll produce, but it it's going to go down. He doesn't have Russ. It's going to go down. So good for him for getting that short extension and leaving himself open for a future big deal as well. Um, gosh, I try to avoid this as long as possible. Um, but what are we doing? A-Rod, man? A-Rod, <laughs> <Hey>, bro. <laughs> Coming in, Nick Cage, cinema style. Um, you know, I first saw that on, on Instagram, and <laughs> I was thinking about it. I was like, dude, what is this guy doing, man? Like, he looks like a goon. Like, he just looks like a buffoon. And and then I let it sit for a couple of days. And, you know, he's not my favorite player personally. His talent's undeniable. His regular season stats are undeniable. Just doesn't really pull through lately in the playoffs. Um but I was letting it stew, and I was like, oh, man, dude, the ball's on that guy, dude. The ball's on that guy. All his off-season drama he produces, it seems like every single year, maybe a little bit quieter, honestly, this year than in past. But, dude, back-to-back <laughs> -back MVP, going for his third. Similar, honestly, you know, to, I guess not similar, but I, I draw some parallels to... Um, the Belichick-Brady situation, obviously lots of differences, but when Brady left, it was like, oh, it's Brady, oh, it's Belichick, he was the brain trust, no, it was all Brady, and there was a huge argument, and we were just waiting and waiting and waiting um, to see you know, who would win, and now we have our answer, it was Tom Brady. Tom Brady was the guy, um, and Bill's really struggling right now. But uh, with A-Rod, you know, with McCarthy, it's like, oh, is McCarthy you know, helping or hurting them, or is it A-Rod or whatever, and McCarthy left. He looks like a, a goofball in Dallas who has no situational awareness after all the games he's coached, which is just a topic for another day. But, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers flourished. He flourished. Back-to-back -back MVPs. Him and his new coach get along, or not new coach, I guess just LaFleur for the last couple of years. They're, they're really getting along well and doing well. But again, with Devontae Adams gone, it's like, who was really driving those MVPs? You know? We, Aaron Rodgers' talent's undeniable. Devontae's talent's undeniable. But with Devontae gone, is Aaron Rodgers an MVP quarterback? Is he? Seriously? 
Can you look me in the eyes right now and tell me that Aaron Rodgers will be the same quarterback without Devontae Adams? I personally, I don't see it. I personally do not see it. And probably will catch a lot of flack from the, from my friends about this, listeners about this, but um, honestly, <laughs> like Devontae Adams is so good. We'll see if some of the Packers receivers can be elevated by Aaron Rodgers' play, which he will elevate them. Um, but we'll really see if the Packers can have another 13-win season, maybe do something in the playoffs for once. Um, and we'll really learn basically how much of it was Rodgers for those MVPs and how much Devontae Adams helped him, basically. Um, and the two coexist, the two interlink. It's impossible to separate. Um, but it's going to be interesting how big the drop-off will be. And I suspect it to be bigger than people people anticipate. But moral of the story is, after I had a couple of days to think about the look in the video of Rodgers, I can't hate him for it, man. Like... He always, just in the most subtle way, it's always like he's flipping the bird to the media or just flipping the bird to the man. Just back-to-back MVPs, say what you want. He's having, you know, snarky comments. He saw the Hall of Fame comment with, you know, Devontae saying it about going from Rodgers, Hall of Famer, to another Hall of Fame quarterback in Derek Carr. And then you, <laughs> it was very funny, Rodgers and his presser, you know, it's always tough going from Hall of Famer Devontae Adams to Hall of Famer Alan Lazard. I thought that was hilarious. So, you know, as I've let this fester and thought about it, honestly respect him for it. He, I mean, he's coming in. He's like, I'm back-to-back MVP. What more do you want from me? <laughs> I'm going to dress like a, you know, a badass coming into camp. Um, you know, continue my snarky comments. And I'm just going to kind of, you know, while that's going on, quietly prepare and make sure that I'm going to kick ass. And I can't hate that. Regardless of what I think of you personally, he's just another guy that he clearly wants to win and he clearly puts in the work. And if he wants to add, you know, some flair to all that, I say more power to him. That's the position that these wealthy quarterbacks have, you know. They're on this big platform. They can basically choose how they want to dress, for the most part, what they want to say, and how they want to, you know, project their public image and build their brand. And I think Rodgers has just kind of come down to look. I got two MVPs. What more do you want from me, man? Um, I personally would like to see you know, some more winning in the playoffs, but that's a topic for another day. Um, but honestly, I'm interested to see how the Packers do this year, how they play the Vikings and some of the rest of the NFC opponents, and honestly where they'll finish. You know, I said Vikings will probably win that division, but um, I don't know. It's the Packers. They always coast in the regular season. Um, they're certainly down on offense, but their defense is looking scary. So they could easily carry them to a one, you know, maybe not the one seed, but winning their division if Minnesota has some injuries or dysfunction um, or just their coaching change isn't working out. So I can't wait to watch the NFC North, honestly. It's going to be a fun division. But wanted to uh, start talking, you know, hopefully for the last time. (laughs) We'll see about Kyler. Of course, right? Kyler. Oh, God, Kyler, you're killing me, man. Absolutely killing me. So we talked about the four-hour-a-week, no video game, no second screen watching while studying film requirement from training camp uh, every week through the playoffs, uh, if they can get there, that is. And saw the backlash, heard some comments, Kyler and the team addressing the media, and ultimately, the clause got revoked. Just like that. Poof! No more. I'm sitting here, I'm going... What in the heck 
what in the, what was the point of all this? Seriously, what was the point of all this? Kyler not up for a contract. We could have watched him, um, franchise tag, you know, fifth year option, anything. If you weren't sure, anything you could have done but this. Seriously, anything but this. And they say, well, also no, he's he's got amazing talent. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. They can't just let him walk. What are they? They have to pay him, or else he goes somewhere else and someone poaches him, and then they're irrelevant. And and I see the paranoia in that. I see the fear. I I get the ideology behind that. But at the end of the day, man, he he's on he's on a contract, and just because he wants to get paid, you know, doesn't mean you have to pay him. In this scenario, you definitely didn't have to pay him. But nonetheless, they sit down at the table, reportedly in good faith. Hammer out the details of this contract, which which took some time. I'm sure it was not easy. And at the end of the day, Kyler Murray signed the dotted line. His team and himself, they knew that this clause was in there. They knew. And maybe it wasn't a big deal at the time, but he still agreed to it. His signature is on the line. He agreed. There should be no surprises. And then... They're like, oh, I don't know how this got leaked. It's the freaking NFL. Of course it got leaked. It's a contract. It got leaked. Okay, get over it. Hey, that's not the problem here. The problem is Kyler Murray and now becoming increasingly more apparent, the Cardinals franchise. I mean, are you trying to turn into the circus? You're going to hit the road with that act? Like, seriously, what are you doing? Like, first of all, you think it's a good idea to put this clause in, thinking that it wouldn't get out, when obviously it's going to get out. Especially when it's not something that's normally built into guys' contracts like this. Especially ones you're paying the farm to. You know? So, this whole situation is messed up on so many levels. Uh, I think from the Cardinals' perspective, I'm really starting to shift blame towards them. Honestly. It's like, you're willing to give this guy so much money. But, you're telling us, and you're telling him, and you're telling the world, that you do not trust that he is putting in as much work or you know, a little bit of extra work than other average quarterbacks in the film room. And I understand not everyone's a film addict, a film junkie, a Drew Brees, a Peyton. Like I, I understand. I do. It's it but it's just it's like, man, four hours a week is nothing for those guys. Nothing. Their whole lives, for the most part, are football and they're extremely well compensated position. You should be willing voluntarily based off your competitive spirit, the edge you want to get over your your opponents, to put in a couple of hours a week extra than just pulling up to the facility with your teammates, with your with your position coaches, and watching mandatory film. And I think from the Cardinals' perspective, if you had to put this in there as a way to get out of the guaranteed money of the contract if things were to go south as an excuse to point to, like, oh, look, we told him, and he violated it, but he signed it, he knew but he wasn't studying. Like, we don't know him. This guaranteed money when things go south, which I think they probably will at some point, maybe not in the next couple of weeks, but I think in the next couple of years it's almost you know, destined to happen. And if you are going to give that much money to somebody, you can't have any doubts, or at least not those kind of doubts. right? If a guy has a couple of injuries and you want to take a chance, I get it. Whatever. I get it. I do. But that kind of stuff, the intangibles... The leadership, the character, the ability, the willingness to put in extra work, 
to get to a superstar quarterback status, which he is not at, by the way. I don't care what anybody says. He is not a superstar quarterback in this league. Not yet. I'm not willing to, to give him that honor yet. No. And the fact that you, you felt that this had to go in because of your self-doubts, then why not just wait? Wait. I don't care if he's not the happiest person on the team. It, it Just wait. You had time to watch. And and he clearly, you know, he I mean in the past I'm sure they said, you know, hey, we we would like you to watch more film on side and maybe they tried sort of a nicer, um, less hard lined approach in the past, and maybe that didn't work and maybe that's why they felt compelled to do this. I'll I'll never know those details unless they come out. But I mean, come on, Arizona. Come on, dude. You're just telling the league, like you just showed all the fans in the league that you're I wouldn't even say it's irresponsible. I would just say it's borderline being incompetent at your job. If you're going to give that guy that much money and you have doubts that serious that you have to put in language in the contract, that's terrible. Terrible. Either, you know, sign him for less money um, or, you know, watch him. Just watch him. And if he gets better on that over the next year, extend him. If he doesn't, move off. Even though he's talented, it's it's the NFL. You can't coast on pure talent and have a Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees career. You have to be the hardest working person on that team. There's no excuses for that. And can a guy change? Yeah, absolutely. Am I optimistic that he can change? No, I'm personally not. Uh, so the Cardinals are definitely at fault and look like a total clown show right now. Um, but Kyler Murray, I mean, dude, I mean, I get it. I love Call of Duty. I love playing video games with the boys. I, I love it. I understand Kyler. Uh, I'm not saying give up video games. I get it, man. Um, but, oh, man, you could have handled this so much better. Even though you signed the contract, you get up there, you address the media, you talk about how disgraceful and how much of a joke this is and how it's just not true and how you don't get to this level without taking it seriously. It's like, I'm not questioning that you don't love football or don't take it that seriously. It's just the fact that you don't take that extra step to get that edge. It's not like you're the best quarterback like you were in college and high school and you can just ride on what you're doing, the status quo. You cannot do that anymore. If he was the best quarterback right now and he was cruising to Super Bowls, and other people worked harder than him, but whatever he was doing was working. No one questions this. No one. It's a non-story. Nothing. He could have made it a non-story when he just freaking took the podium in an, in a shirt that said easy money on it. Like, just, can somebody pick out his damn clothes, please? Like, what are you doing, dude? And, and goes up there, and all he could have said was, you know... Uh, this is really a non-story. I do four hours. I can do four hours in a day or two days, or I have been doing that. And you know, it's really a non-factor. I'm committed to this team. I'm committed to the game. I'm committed to winning, and I want to bring a ring to Arizona. And that would have been the end of it. But instead, he freaking doubles down. He doubles down and acts like a kid. And you just can't have someone at the podium like that. Seriously. I'd rather have a Dak Prescott where you know his limitations, you know what he can't do, but he says all the right things and he's the unquestioned leader of the squad. I'd rather have that 
than a quarterback with more talent and less work ethic, someone who's less willing to put in what it takes. This whole story just really makes me sick to my stomach from both parties. Um, to be completely honest with you, it makes the Cardinals look like a joke. And now anytime Kyler has a bad stretch or a bad game or throws a pick, everyone's just going to be thinking about or making remarks about, oh, he doesn't watch film. If you would have watched more film, maybe this doesn't happen. And, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they start off on fire, get into the playoffs, maybe make some noise, and the story becomes a non-factor. But I really see this kind of plaguing at least the start of the season for the Cardinals. And ultimately, it shows you that the Cardinals may not really know what they're doing, A, and B, I think a divorce is in the future, which probably also means a coach getting fired. Kingsbury, that's tied to Kyler, getting fired. So, ultimately a sad week to be an Arizona Cardinals fan. So I apologize for any listeners out there, um, if that's your team. But hopefully, you know, Kyler can pull his act together. His talent's undeniable, and they can pull it together and be competitive in that division with two really tough teams. Wanted to end the show today by answering a couple of the fan mail questions um, from the Instagram DM. Um, keep them coming. Just going to answer a few quick ones today since the pod's already running a little long. Um, this one says, hey, really enjoy the pod. Keep up the good work. Uh, wanted to ask a Lamar question as a Ravens fan. Do you think they should pay Lamar now or wait? Honestly, that's a good question. So we see all these other teams rushing to pay these quarterbacks, and I think it's going to blow up in some of these teams' faces here in the next couple of years. With Lamar, he's kind of a special case, right? Um, he can still play without a contract. He doesn't have an official agent. It's his mom. Uh, hasn't made a ton of money being the 32nd overall pick. His fifth-year option, I think, is like $23 million, maybe a little bit more. Could be off base on that, but it's, it's somewhere in the mid-20s uh, for him. And the thing with Lamar is... He's just a consummate professional. His second season MVP was incredible. Um, I think it was like 36 touchdowns to six picks, something like that. Really lit up the league, and it's kind of downtrended each year since um, with injuries to him and the squad. And the Ravens haven't paid him yet, and he's really the last big quarterback right now, at least, um, to have that question mark next to him now that the Kyler Domino has fallen. And I'm honestly a little bit surprised that the Ravens haven't paid him yet. Because they really don't have a choice. They tailored the whole team around him. They're finally going to be healthy. Um, and this year, I think they're going to bounce back in a big way. Um, but I do see it from both sides, right? Uh, the Ravens, I think, are doing a fairly intelligent thing, right? And this guy's not Mahomes. He's not Josh Allen. It's not pertinent that you lock him up for a mega 10, 12-year deal this second tomorrow. You know? Um so them kind of waiting it out as Lamar continues to play, continues to practice, um, and doesn't really say a word. He's just a consummate professional. Um, so I think they're taking advantage of that a little bit in the sense that they're not 100% sure You know, they want to make him one of the top paid quarterbacks in the league, which is probably where his contract would land him. You know, uh, From Lamar's perspective, he can say, oh, look what Deshaun Watson got, look what Kyler Murray got. I'm more accomplished than both of those guys. I should be coming in somewhere around where Aaron Rodgers is, you know, and he certainly has some stats and the MVP to back that up. So it's going to be interesting to see how they play that right now. The Ravens seem content on letting it play out and, you know, it kind of helps their franchise, right? Like he's on a cheap deal. 
they have good pieces around him, and as soon as you pay the quarterback, you got to start making tough cap-related decisions in the NFL. So I think if they can kind of ride this year out without a deal, it's in their best interest as an organization. And Lamar is so loyal, such a great professional, says all the right things, does all the right things, is totally 100% committed to football, his health, and the Ravens. And they really hit the lottery with him in late first round and wasn't even their first pick of that round for the Ravens. So, that, I mean, they really hit the lottery with him, and he should get paid by the Ravens. And he will get paid by the Ravens. It's just a matter of, you know, is Lamar being too nice? <laughs> Basically, like, is this going to hurt Lamar? Is he going to get hurt again before this deal? Or is he going to have a down year? And, and, you know, it's just a lot of questions, and I feel for the guy. He wants to play football. He wants to win with the Ravens, and that's what he's about. And he, he really is a great pro. In, in that sense. And I, I hope nothing but the best for him. Uh, like I said, the deal will get done at some point. I just don't think uh, the Ravens are in any rush. And it sounds like Lamar is content mostly with that right now. So, you know, maybe Lamar in his mind is saying, hey, I know they love me here. Uh, I've been trending down since the MVP, but our team's back. I'm healthy. We're healthy. I can win this division, I can make another MVP type run, and I can really lock in the Mega Bucks and silence the haters. So, um, to answer that question, I, I, like I said, the Ravens will pay him. It's just a matter of when. Um, obviously, his passing accuracy in the pocket needs work, but he may be the best. I, I'm Michael Vick bias, as you know, but he may be the best running quarterback we've ever seen in the entire league. Um, and I think a lot of people would agree with that. And... We make him out to be this horrible passer, but he's really not, okay? He's not Mahomes, he's not Allen, but he's not a bottom 10 passer in this league, right? So if he can even become somewhere in the lower top 10 of you know pocket passing in this league, he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks because he can move. He still can move so well. So it's just one of those tough situations where you want to see a good guy who's doing all the right things, checking all the right boxes. You want to see him get his big payday. And it really pisses me off, seriously, when guys like Kyler Murray and Deshaun Watson get these unprecedented bags, especially Deshaun Watson. But, like, you get these bags, and you have personal life issues or professionalism issues or commitment issues, and then you see a guy who does every single thing right. And yeah, he's got holes in his game that he's got to improve. I'm not saying he's the best all-round quarterback in the league by any stretch. But I think he is a top 10 quarterback in this league, and you got to lock him down. And he says everything else right, does everything else in the quarterback role right. And those guys are hard to find, and you got to lock him down. So the Ravens, I, I feel like you kind of owe this to Lamar, especially if he has a good year this year. you got to lock him down. You have to. Um, and the slander at Lamar, he's always had it. He's great at dealing with it. Um, you know, the running back comments and the switching position comments in the draft. And now that anonymous, um, you know, league. I, I forget. I think it was an anonymous defensive coordinator. Um, basically said, I don't care if he has 12 MVPs. He's not a number one quarterback. Like, he's not a one, basically. Uh, like, saying that he wouldn't want him on his team, essentially. Um, which, I, I mean, I, I disagree with, but I see what he's trying to say in terms of he's not a pocket passer. He can't win playoff games because you need to be able to stay in the pocket or step up in the pocket and make tough throws in the corners of the field and over the middle of the field or you're not going to win a championship. That's just 
what it is. So I really hope Lamar takes the next step this year. I think that he does. Um, I don't know if he'll be an MVP candidate, but I think he's going to have a bounce back year, and so will the Ravens. So I'm really rooting for him um, more personally than the Ravens. Not a giant Ravens fan by any stretch, but really just rooting for him personally, and I think he will turn it around and get that bag. Uh, it's just nice to see people that deserve to get paid get paid. That's really what it comes down to. Um, all right, moving on. Another question here. Um, hey, love the pod. Uh, just wanted to talk about Eagles Cowboys. I know you're a big Eagles fan, and we talk a lot of Eagles football on here. But how do you see that division shaking out? Um, I hear a lot of high expectations for both teams, and wanted to hear your opinion on who you think is going to win the division. Uh, are you still thinking birds? So, yes, I'm still thinking birds. It's going to be close. It's always close. But I think this year especially, I think the Eagles got better. I think the Cowboys stayed the same or got worse in the offseason. Some questions around Dak. We'll see how you know he really performs when he doesn't have Amari Cooper and some other weapons. Um, so if they roll forward with this offense, I think they're going to struggle. I really do. I think I don't think Mike McCarthy is savvy enough to get them out of situations or win them one possession games late. He's shown us in the past his ineptitude to do so. And let's just say I'm really glad he's not on my sideline, <laughs> you know, as an NFL team. Um, but ultimately, you know, we hear all the Cowboys hype every year. And it, it really is. I've learned to appreciate it. It really is a beautiful thing, right? You have this team... Every single year, Super Bowl or bust, Super Bowl or bust. They're all over the radio. They are on every sports show every week for something that Jerry said or something that Dak is or isn't doing or something McCarthy is doing. Something about Dallas is on every week. And I used to think it was super annoying, to be honest with you. But now I kind of come to appreciate it, especially as an Eagles fan is they're relevant. They're relevant every year in terms of their fans have high expectations. Jerry, McCarthy, Dak, so much drama, and it's not like they're bad. They're always competitive, especially in the division. They're never dominant, um, but they're just good enough to be relevant every week. And, you know, we talk Super Bowl or we talk playoffs and all these speculations, and ultimately I think it's good for the league, maybe not for Cowboys fans, um, but I think it's good for the league. They're just one of the big, they're the biggest franchise um, in terms of fandom and things like that and having them always relevant is definitely a positive thing for the league and it definitely juices up the divisional matchups uh, with my birds and it's always just different uh, when you hit those weeks it's it's like Raven Steelers for those fans and um, you know Eagles Cowboys and it's just these big you know historic rival matchups that you know no matter how the teams are performing or doing in the year that when they meet they don't need any extra motivation to get up for that game. You know that game's going to be a dogfight. You know they don't like each other. You know it's going to be awesome TV, even if the teams are down. So I think, bottom line, I think the Eagles win the division, but lots of questions on Jalen Hurts. Uh, you know, is he the guy? Can he get a big contract? He really has no excuse. He has all pieces around him now on both sides of the ball. So we'll really see if he can develop as a passer. Sort of a similar Lamar Jackson situation in the sense that you know, obviously Lamar has accomplished way more uh, and is a better quarterback for sure. But Jalen Hurts has those pocket passer questions. Can he make those throws? He looked abysmal in the Bucks playoff game. Obviously, the Buc like the Bucks defense is really good and uh, had a great game plan, but he lo he looked terrible. Definitely not like a franchise big paycheck guy. So 
but from all reports, some positive news. Um, he seems to have all the intangibles that his fellow Oklahoma, you know, prospects did not, like Baker and Kyler. Um, obviously, those guys are more talented physically and on the field, but it seems like all reports say that Jalen Hurts is the best example of a leader. He watches a ton of film. I heard an Eagles guy say uh, about the Kyler news, what? <laughs> Jalen watches four hours outside on his own per day. Like, the guy wants to win. He wants to prove himself. He wants to get a contract. He wants to be a star NFL quarterback. And as a fan, as a lover of the game, that's all you can ask for. So I, I really am pulling for him, not just because he's the Eagles quarterback. Obviously, that helps. <laughs> but I just want guys like that to succeed that give everything to the sport, everything to getting better, even when they know there's big holes in their game and you know, they may not be Peyton or Tom or Drew or any of those guys, but they want to be there. They want to get there. And they model their work ethic after those guys, and they, you know, take notes, take tips, and they try to get there for themselves and for their franchise. So I'm super excited for the Eagles and especially, you know, the Cowboys matchups because it will be close. It'll be a game or two. It always is. So really looking forward to that matchup. I'm sure, you know, like we always say in Dallas, what can go wrong will go wrong with the Dallas Cowboys. So um, interested to see how all this plays out this season. And honestly, I really can't wait for the matchup. Last question for the mailbag today. Um, hey, love the pod. I got a question about Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. How do you think he handled that situation given the opportunity to speak out at the mic? Um, do you agree with how he handled it or would you have done something differently? So... Great question. Uh, honestly, I mean, we touched on this earlier in the pod. Uh, I won't go all into it, but it makes me kind of think of sort of analogy. Just just kind of let your minds wander here and think about this analogy uh, for a second. So remember when we were growing up, we were in school, um, you know, or our parents were in school, and, and, and you come home uh, to your parents. It used to be, you know, early days, a phone call, then later like an email of maybe something you did wrong in school, right? Maybe you didn't hand in your homework. Maybe you did poorly on a couple of tests or quizzes, or maybe you're acting out in class too much, or maybe some more other, you know, more serious stuff. And <laughs> you come home, and I, I know for me, um, I was fortunate to be raised in a two-teacher household, two-high school teacher household. Um, so from an early age, you know, kind of molded to be you know, a well-behaving student um, based off of their own experiences. But, you know, I had my fair share of, you know, things happen. So, you know, I'm not perfect by any means. I'm, I'm not immune to that stuff. And, and stuff still happened. And, and you get the phone call, you get the email, and you get home maybe 30 minutes before your parents from school, and you're just waiting there, and you're like, oh, my God, this is going to be terrible. Like, this, it, it doesn't even matter what happened. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> Anything they say to you is going to be worse than – the repercussions of the actual situation, right? So you're just waiting, like waiting in the living room. You know they know, and you hear the garage door open. A couple seconds later, you hear the car pull into the garage, and you're just waiting, waiting. It feels like an eternity. Then you hear the car door slam, right? Then he's coming in. Dad, usually dad got home first, and he was the one who knew, and comes in, and, you know, you want to explain yourself for – you know, not handing this assignment, not handing this paper. And before you can even get two words out, 
you're shut down. They don't care what your excuse is. They automatically aside with you know side with the teacher, the principal, whatever it is, because that's just how we were raised. It's just a different generation now. It just it really is. We we never questioned the teachers. They knew best. We were in the wrong. We were just kids. We needed to do better. And there's a lot of truth to that. And I, I think to this day, that philosophy still holds true. But we've lost touch with that as as a society. Really, it feels like nowadays. Um, speaking from my own, you know, personal beliefs, not my parents or not anybody else's. Really, just from what I've experienced uh, with kids these days, is it just feels that if anything happens at school. It's clearly the kid's fault for an assignment, for acting out, for anything. You come home, or the parents know about it, and they don't. The kid doesn't get in trouble at all, even though it's clearly their fault. Um, immediately questions the school, like that teacher's sketchy, or oh, uh, that teacher hates my kid, or oh, blah blah. blah all these reasons, or principal has it out for me. All this stuff, and all this really toxic behavior, and almost just coddles the kids and really just doesn't give them a chance to learn accountability and learn what is appropriate both in society and professionally and I think we're really seeing it plague the youth and I think you know this analogy might be a little extreme for the situation but I think it still paints the picture and helps you kind of tune into the situation of some of these NFL guys right uh you got Kyler who you know probably no one ever said no to him in his entire life I mean, yeah, he's short and whatever, but the best high school Texas football player of all time, best college football Heisman winner, Oklahoma quarterback, um, number one pick coming into the NFL. He, I mean, he, I'm sure he had his own adversities and things like that. I'm not trying to overshadow any plight that he may have had, but now he gets to some adversity and some of the character stuff and some of the commitment stuff kind of rises to the top and gets questioned. And it just feels like, you know, young athletes or young kids are just not being held accountable. And ultimately, I can't really blame the kid. I really can't. It it really falls on the parents. And the parents have to do a better job of teaching their children accountability and basically giving them the tools to seed or to, excuse me, to succeed in society and professionally and be a contributing member to the world, to the country. So um, I really hope that one day soon the pendulum swings back and, uh, you know, not just kids, but adults and everyone in general, myself included, can just take accountability for our actions and just own up to mistakes and rather than get really defensive, just admit it, move on and pledge to learn and pledge to get better. And I think if I were Kyler, that's how I would have handled that situation. I would have said, hey, look, um, I understand this story. I understand the speculation and all this stuff. And, you know, he said, I'll do better. I'm going to study film. I, I do study a lot of film, but, um, you know, it didn't play well in the playoffs. Um, anything I can do to have an edge on an opponent or be more prepared, I'm going to do. And I really, you know, last season's postseason performance really helped me come come to that realization. I've talked to some of the greats and they've given me some advice. And I'm just going to work harder because I know I have to to get to that next level. And that would have been the end of the story. But instead, he wears an easy money shirt to the podium, doubles down, and acts like a spoiled brat, in my opinion. So, 
Um, <laughs> this is a very negative energy podcast, and I really hope to be more positive in the future because I really am a positive person. Um, but seeing that stuff in the limelight of the NFL just really made me think about that kind of stuff happening and, and how we all just really need to take accountability and and own it and just pledge to get better, not only for ourselves, but for our families and for the job we have or the organization that we represent, especially on someone on that stage at the highest level. So, um, yeah, to answer the question, I would have handled that differently, or at least I would like to think that I would have handled that differently in his shoes. But nevertheless, like I said, I always wish the best for all the players in the NFL. Any athlete, anybody working at that high level got there for a reason because of their skill, their talent, their hard work, whatever. And not everybody has it figured out year one, year two, year three. People take time. Look at Brady. He took time to figure it out. Now he's the greatest of all time with seven rings. So um, I'm not optimistic that he and the Cardinals will figure it out, at least not together. It looks like there's some incompetence on their side as well as some commitment issues on the player's side. So certainly will be a dramatic story leading up to the season. Uh, I look forward to hearing from you guys You know, via Instagram, DM, and the mailbag to answer more questions on the show. Um, like I said, longer pod today, but just drove back from vacation. Uh, time to get back to the work grind. Uh, another podcast will be out soon, hopefully tomorrow or the next day. And, you know, loving our pod so far. Tell your friends, tell your family. Um, let's help this pod reach more people, bring more joy to the world, and, you know, talk about sports. Appreciate the love. See everybody next time. Looking forward to the next pod. And peace.